people deluded i'm back again what can i say man good morning i hope you're all doing well and safe boys and girls whoever you are wherever you are whatever you're doing this morning or evening or night depending on when you listen to this it's a pleasure to be back here speaking i say midweek it's a tuesday but you know let's for want of better phrases let's call it a midweek edition of the deluded podcast um, I had to, man. Obviously, you had certain teams playing yesterday and I thought it wouldn't be fair to those teams to offer my opinions on the opening week of football without them obviously playing. And it's been a bit of a crazy week, really and truly. You know, some teams have picked up where they've left off, both in a positive and negative sense last season, from last season. Um, obviously, you've got Mohamed Salah, Aubameyang, Vardy, Lacazette, Calvert-Lewin, Jimenez, you know, opening their goal-scoring accounts for the season. You know, Vardy on two... Salah on free, you know, Aubameyang will get up there, but, you know, it's going to be competition this season. Calvert-Lewin scored a serious header before I forget to mention that against Spurs. And as an Arsenal fan, I mean, it's been a fantastic weekend or week of football, early week of football. Now we're moving into the next week and in relation to previewing the Premier League, that's for, you know, the Friday edition of the Deluded Podcast. Make sure you're aware of when that one comes out. Um... But in relation to this game week, as an Arsenal fan, perfect weekend, you know, three points, three nil, clean sheet, debutant scoring and whatnot, you know, Spurs lost, it makes it better, my Sunday league team won as well, it was a fantastic weekend of football, man, let's get straight into it really and truly, like I said, Arsenal defeated Fulham three goals to nil, and with fair, with, to be fair to Fulham, you know, if we did this against City, I'd be gassing a bit more, but you can only play what's in front of you. Fulham let themselves down, you know, they put a number of crosses into the box, 11 people, and only three hit the target, and down our, down, um, our left, down, down their right, that was where they was creating issues, they let themselves down, defending on all of the goals was appalling, um, you know, the first one, what are you doing, Tim Ream, the second one, they cut open and not following and not aware of what's going on for the, for the set piece, you know, Michael Hector, the only one that I felt was doing decent in Fulham, you know, he's beaten too easily by Gabriel, and the third one is fantastic from Arsenal's perspective, but it's poor from Fulham. Like I said, in relation to Arsenal's perspective, the the highlight of the game for me is Aubameyang. You know, it was a lovely move from defence um, forward. You know, El Nene, the keeper, Bellerin, Bearman are always involved. The highlights will obviously just show Williams ball across to Aubameyang and Aubameyang doing the rest. And that's one thing, you know, Arsenal have a lot to improve on. Yes, we've kept a clean sheet, but you've got to be able to put a couple of clean sheets together. Um it's that goal because you've seen it against Liverpool, you've seen it against City, you've seen it many a times, Fulham the latest victims. That is That goal is a result of Arteta's repetition on the training ground. So that's what I like to see. Obviously, from a tactical point of view, it was great, man. You had Willian being narrow and getting onto the ball when he wanted to and Bellerin making making the whip, holding the whip as a wing-back. Maitland-Niles the same. Maitland-Niles was playing like an inverted central midfielder at times. You know, you'd see both full-backs be inverted and the wingers out wide, or you'd see both out wide at times or both narrow. And that, again, highlights Arteta, you know, getting through to these players and giving them tactics and stuff, and they have the competency to understand that. You know, from an Arsenal perspective, it was the perfect game, you know. Gabriel, you know, the early on, it was a bit of a nervy moment with the Maitland-Niles back pass and Gabriel and Leno weren't communicating. Is that a language barrier? Is that Gabriel's nerves? I'm not too sure. But after that, Gabriel was composed. He had the most passes and most touches on the ball. 
He had a convincing defensive performance. Obviously, it's nice to see him score a goal in his debut, regardless of the position he plays on plays in. And what isn't spoken of enough people is the fact of, you know, Arteta made a great point and it escaped me. He hasn't played for close to five months. Yeah, he's probably taken part in some of these behind closed friendlies and he's been training, but he has not played apart from that game um, since La Liga was cut. So what does that tell you? Is able That shows you he's got big character. That shows you, you know, if he's not fully fit and in his prime, imagine what he'd do when he would be, people. It's ridiculous. Obviously, it's nice to see Lacazette in particular score. There's a lot of critics of his. Aubameyang's always going to score. William had two assists, maybe three if they were counting the grading differently. And he just looked a threat, you know. William was very good going forward. You know, he obviously had that highlight with a free kick hit the pole sort of thing, people, which was superb. Um, you know, for me as well, it was the defensive work because it's all fun and games being good going forward. You've got to be able to go go backwards. And I think time and time again, he's displayed that, people. He's shown that he's going to be a good player and a competent option for us. Um, Lacazette scoring put him up to 49 goals for Arsenal so he's chasing that illustrious 50 um, you know William actually got two assists in one game and no Arsenal player has provided multiple um, well last season no Arsenal player provided multiple assists in a single Premier League game so that tells you William I won't go as far as to say he's adding creativity that we didn't have but he's definitely complemented it well it's, well, it's a poor example, but it's like an onion. I wouldn't say an onion necessarily makes the dish, but real people know you need that to cook. And, you know, it, the onion isn't the highlight. It's, the, it's a necessity. It's a good complementary option when you're cooking the rest. Poor example, but that's exactly what William is, in my opinion. He looks like a good option. I want to see him in the Tembro as the season goes on, especially if we don't bring a midfielder in. But I like him on the flanks, you know. He, it's, it's good options now. You've got William, you've got Pepe, you've got Bakayo Saka. Aubameyang's more or less a winger these days. Martinelli can play up front but can occupy the wide position so there's some good opportunities there for players to fight and if you're not doing the job you're not going to play when you look at people like Emil Smith-Rowe who can play as a 10 as well as the flanks and Reese Nelson you know I want them to stay and I think they'll get game time but you know it's going to be competitive you know you need to be a bit selfish and ask yourself do you realistically see you playing minutes here but I don't mind people we beat Fulham 3-0 victory we move on to West Ham this weekend after that, we've got Liverpool. So I don't want to disrespect West Ham and look further away from them, you know. But they lost that. They lost their game. They're gonna be vexed. They're gonna want revenge, sort of thing. So we're gonna have to be at it. But what can I? What can I say, man? Arsenal were quality. You know, every player from top to bottom was good. You know, like I said, shout out Lacazette, Aubameyang, um, William, Gabriel, and the rest of them, Maitland, Niles, etc. You know, El Nene had a good game as well. Can't forget him. Want to give him his praise. He's obviously, you know, when you've got William and Lacar and Bamian, you know, you're not necessarily going to remember a William, um, El Nene's contribution. But he was involved in, in the build-up to the first goal with the ball over the top for Bamian. You know, he intercepted well. He never stopped running. You know, he looked decent still, like, in his role. So, big up him. Obviously, Crystal Palace won 1-0 against Southampton. William Wilfred, sorry, Wilfred Zaha netted his 50th league goal of his career um, for Crystal Palace. I know there's speculation over his future. With that, he's off the mark for the season, people. And it took him 13 slash 14 games, if I remember correctly, to actually to, um, score in his first in, in, in the Premier League last season. For Southampton, I think tactically they let themselves down, man. I think, you know, you look at the goal, the wingbacks are too high up the field. Zaha is in acres of space. I feel they had a lot of possession. You know, I'd take a guess to say 78%. I 
but possession is nine tenths of the law. It's what you do with possession, which Southampton failed to do. That I felt, I feel they were a bit too toothless as well, people, really and truly. Um, and it's almost a bad, it's a bad win percentage for Southampton. Like if you're a mathematician and you're in touch with the stats and stuff, you probably foresaw this coming because you know they've won just one of their last fourteen Premier League season openers. Um, with that losing their last um. Um, failing to win in their last seven and, and losing three. So you know, the rest were filled with draws. They did lack a clinical edge in that game, but maybe there's something psychologically with Southampton as a club with starting the opening day of the season. You know, Southampton have the worst win percentage on match day one in the competition. They've only won two of their last 22. They did look a bit unfit and not fully fit. And I believe their gaffer, Hassan Hortu, sorry, um, said Wednesday, Wednesday's Carling Cup slash Kat Yarabal Cup game against Brentford he will use that to build match fitness so you probably will from a Southampton perspective might see one or two rotation options young players but you, you that tells you he's going to play a strong side and he's not happy with the fitness levels and in the in the build-up to that game like it's Tuesday now probably a light session don't get any injuries but you could imagine you know after sun, Sunday they probably got off Monday they did a little running little circuit thing you know they should have played better you know they lacked cutting edge they had a lot of possession but you know it's what you do with possession but Southampton's loss is Crystal Palace's gain, you know, Crystal Palace are off the mark for the season, as is Wilfred Zaha, and it's happy days, and I want them to do well, man, you know, they've got Eze, you know, they've got Fingy Zaha, you know, Palace is a cool club, man, I ain't got no smoke with Palace, out of all the other London clubs, you know, excluding the ones in the championship and stuff, I don't mind, I don't mind Palace, I ain't got no beef with West Ham either, you know, any, the same can't be said for Chelsea and Spurs, you know what it is for them, boy, there. Moving forward, you know, and, you know, it's not been any, none of the promoted teams had any joy. Like, we'll get onto it, but I'll push, you know, I'd say Leeds had to put a best, put the best account of themselves in the ma in match day one of themselves. You know, Fulham were battered and it, it, it screams everything in your performance when Rob Holden is trying to play like Dennis Burkamp and doing kickups and stuff in your, near your, in your half, bearing in mind he's a centre half, that sums it up. For West Brom, though, West Brom, for me, learnt some harsh lessons in the Premier League, man. You know, you look at the two penalties they conceded. I don't know what Kyle Bartley is doing um, defensively all game, but in that moment, you all saw a match of the day. I don't know why um, O'Shea is widely swinging in the box. These are things you can't do. These are things you cannot do in the Premiership. You will not get away with them. You know, it doesn't matter how good you play for 80 minutes if you let yourselves down. Jamie Vardy's off the off the mark with a brace, people. You know, he had just 15 touches in that game, two goals from the penalty spot, clinical. You know, he's equaled Ruud van Nistelrooy's record of most away games versus an opponent in the competition with a 100% scoring record, you know. Ruud van Nistelrooy had five in five um, against Newcastle, you know. West Brom were completely out dominated. You know, it took a, it took Leicester a while to get warmed up. But I mean, you look at the, you know, the. Sh I'm sure if I, I ain't got it to hand, but the shots on target, possession, they're all over them. James Justin had a very good game in my opinion. In particular, it was a lovely ball from Dennis Pret to let that. What's his name? Is it Kassans? Can't say his name, but he scored on his debut for them. Um, it's all about fine margins, West Brom. You've got to take your chances. You've got to create chances. You can't concede cheap goals. And you have a feeling this is more to come from West Brom. And, you know, they've got former Arsenal players, you know, they've got Kyle Bartley, they've got Semi Ajay, they've got Kieran Gibbs. I want them to do as well as they can. You know, they've got a player I used to play with, Darnell Furlong. It's a pity, you know, it's, it's funny how you can make it as a professional footballer if you've got certain last names. But, um, yeah, man, I want them to stay up, man. But anyways, Leicester put them to the sword and won 3-0. And listen, this can be a funny old season, but if Leicester just go based on last year, you know, you, you, had, you performed above expectations. But when it came to it, you bottled it. 
in terms of Champions League qualification. So they should be chasing that again. That should all be Leic all Leicester's aiming for, getting in the Champions League and make sure I stay in there, regardless of if you think they can do that and or not. 3-0 speaks volumes. Like I said, like, like Fulham, Leicester dismantled West Brom. Simple as. Like Arsenal did with Newcastle. Moving Newcastle, Fulham. Why I said Newcastle? Because we're moving on to Newcastle. You know, Newcastle United fans in the club have been waiting eight years to finally win on the opening day. And they did it. Convincing 2-0 victory against West Ham. You know, and even more, which gasses um, Newcastle fans, I'm sure. You know, Callum Wilson... You always want to score a debut goal for any attacking player. But he looked, even away from his goal, he scored a goal and got off the mark. But he looked good, the movement. I don't know, man. He looked, maybe he didn't want to be at Bournemouth, but he looked like he was buzzing around. There's more enthusiasm. And I'm not going to go as far as to say he's going to be in the same class as Alan Shearer. But, you know, excluding Alan Shearer, you know, he's the godfather of the strikers at, at Newcastle, arguably. You know, Newcastle have had a rich history with with strikers and specifically number nines. I mean, we'll be here all day speaking about the the number of strikers. You know, Les Ferdinand, Andy Cole. I've I've mentioned Shearer to a lesser, lesser, lesser degree because I know a lot of young fans watch me. You know, you had Cisse and then Babar. You know, they've been blessed with strikers, and that probably what enticed him to sign for Newcastle. I, again, I, I fully when he when he signed for Newcastle, I was like, I would do the same. It's a massive club. You know, the fans are bordering on religious. You know, the stadium's massive. When the fans come back in, he'll really, truly understand what Newcastle is about. But, yeah, man, he got off the mark. Maximin, St. Maximin looked good as well. You know, the only thing is end product. You know, I've been watching him for a while as a footballer. And I've said the only reason he will not kick on is like a lot of footballers. It's end product. Can you get goals and assists? He can rip, man. He's got all the party tricks. He's positive. You know, I think the refs need to protect the 1v1 specialist because they get kicked all game. But it's goals and assists. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but did Hendrick not get a goal and an assist? If he never got an assist, he was involved in Wilson's goal, if I remember rightly. So what can you say from a Newcastle perspective and Steve Bruce? You know, they're off the mark for the season, you know. For West Ham, obviously, with West Ham, if it's not terrible results on the field due to poor management, you know, you've got rumblings off the field. First, it was, you know, players being critical of people being sold. Now there's, you know, there's tension over whether suitable recruitments will come in because forgive me if I'm wrong West Ham haven't signed anyone beyond C-Check I believe and he was on loan last season so it was a case of making it permanent they need to get a move on really they looked stale they looked like they were lacking ideas they didn't look hungry it did look like a team where people's minds are all in different places the manager himself David Moy said when asked about the game he said didn't enjoy the performance didn't enjoy the game those are my thoughts and that's a man ready to tear into the to the fan, the players, that's a man vex people, you know, when your manager is out here saying that, when he's not trying to protect you lot, and the players aren't stupid, they know it was poor, the good thing is, there's 37 games left for all Premier League teams, so you can't draw any conclusions, now Leeds versus Liverpool, for me people, you know, games typically, we've seen it, you know, big games typically under deliver, but there was no way the footballing gods people were going to see Leeds United come from the Premier, come up to the Premier League from the Championship, after 16 or so years, and the game wasn't going to be a madness. Liverpool won 4-3, and you know, Liverpool got over the line, it's week um, 30, well, it's week 1 of 38, so there's a lot of time, but if I'm Liverpool, again, I don't want to read too much into it, but it, I won't say there's cracks, but it does look like everything isn't as rosy as it was, you know, you look at their pre-season results in isolation, they weren't necessarily, if not the results, they weren't convincing, the way they played in the community shield against us as well. And in this game, you know, Van Dyke, you know, he's, he's human. He will make a mistake. You know, he makes like five a season and, you know, that's you take that. He's human. 
But, you know, his mistake, lack of concentration. I feel Trent and Gomez, you know, normally they're quite solid in terms of their positioning. They were a bit susceptible. There was a couple of nervy moments, really. Now, these games happen, and again, pre-season's just started. But one thing I've liked about Liverpool over the years and what highlights the evolution, you know, away from Klopp building the team and players getting better, for me, it's the way they used to, it's their game management and defensive output, you know, they really changed their minds defensively and I think the goals they conceded, none of them players will be happy with that. You know, shout out to Manchester City's low knee at Leeds, Jack Harrison, he technically got their first goal of Leeds' return. It was a quality goal from, is it Glitch? Klitsch? I can't say his name, but it was a lovely ball from Helder Costa into him and he banged it. And I think that goal would actually pee me off if I was Klopp as well, because as an Arsenal fan, I used to see them goals all the time. He's allowed to run. Nobody picks him up. Every goal Liverpool conceded was totally avoid avoidable. You know, Jack Harrison's goal was lovely. It was lovely as well. Lovely pass from I believe Phillips. But again, positioning of Liverpool to be cut open like that. Again, there's a lot defensively it was shaky because you do if Liverpool do that against better teams, you know they might they might be long. Personally, I think Liverpool need a couple more players just to shake things up. That squad's been together long enough, but. It is what it is, man. Klopp's been very critical of other teams' spending. You know, Liverpool have now conceded plus three goals in back-to-back -back home league games for the first time since 1982. Um, you know, shout out to Bamford as well. He got on the score sheet. You know, he's one of them people are going to be looking at. Have you got the ability to score goals in the chat in the Premier League? We'll have to see, people. Um, you know, that Pascal Strutz guy had a tough game as well in defence for Leeds. I think Leeds let themselves down at set pieces in particular, if I'm honest with you. Obviously, Mo Salah bagged a hat-trick. It is what it is in that regards. He got a hat-trick, Mo Salah's laughing. And there was one goal he fizzed into the net like it was a serious power bang. A bit like, completely different. But like, you could tell he hit it with as much power as he had. Similar to Reese's James, Reese James's goal. So yeah, man, Salah. I know a lot of people got him in the FPL team. They're probably laughing people. He got three goals. You know, at the end of the day, all that matters is the three points. There's a lot that Liverpool need to look at. Um... And, and, and improve but they got over the line for Leeds you know I think Leeds they knocked the ball around you know their players didn't cower and over respect Liverpool what let Le Leeds down is the quality of the goals they conceded and they did look shaky from all set pieces if I'm if I'm honest with you they need to improve in that regards um so yeah people it is what it is in, in that regards it really is Brighton versus Chelsea Chelsea won 3-1 you know Lamperty you're always going to be up for playing against your old team and proving your old manager wrong. Lamperty had a good game. I think Werner worked hard. I think um, Harvites might need a bit to adapt. But at the end of the day, Chelsea won three goals to one. You know, Reese James scored an absolute rocket. Um, what's his face? Zuma. I don't know if Zuma's going to get to claim that goal. Because at first I thought it was poor keeping. Then I saw the deflection. Obviously, Jorginho stepped up to score a penalty after, if I remember rightly. Werner was fouled. So at the end of the day, you know, 3-1, three, three points. You know, it was 1-1 one, one at a time. Chelsea reacted, they got over the line. But again, you could say, you know, again, it's one game, you don't want to draw conclusions, but it's another game where Chelsea... It's dumb because you have to outscore teams to win a game of football, but Chelsea are relying on outscoring teams. They did look like they did look open a bit defensively, but then again, they put lovely balls together and scored some decent goals, the two of them. You know, Reese James scored a fizzler. And for me, I don't see why him and Lamperty, if they don't keep developing, they can't put pressure on, on people's places in the England side. I don't think Trent will ever lose his side, but there's a chance to be deputy. I personally think Lamperty is going to be a £50 million player in the near too distant future. With all due respect to Brighton, he's just going to get stronger with every game, get more experienced with every game. 
and people are going to look at it like, yo, he's at Brighton, let's move him on now. Brighton will get top dollar. You know, European clubs will sniff. There'll be teams in England that will sniff, you know. Depending on the fee, I'd take him at Arsenal. But like I said, it's, for, it's 40, 50 million now for Lampety. And he's a good player, man. He do, He's shown his ability. I think he came up. Did he come off the bench? I'm sure he came off the bench at the Emirates and he put in a convincing display and he did so against Chelsea. And he's unfortunate that they've got Reese James, man, because that, that spot is made for Lampety. But Reese James, quality player. You even see him move into midfield in the game as well. You know, getting getting stronger with every game. Absolute rocket. Got lovely technical ability. You've got a lot of time for Reese James and he's only going to improve. You know, Lampard spoke a lot of talk about wanting to go to the next level and all of these sort of things with, with, with Chelsea and how Chelsea are not an academy club. He never wanted us to be an academy club. You know, he gets the vibe that he wants to challenge for trophies. He doesn't want this to be a farmer thing. So, you know, Chelsea are laughing. Chelsea got over the line 3-1. Only thing you can say is a poor goal they conceded. You know, Kepa made a big save in that game, but I don't know, man. I don't know if that's psychological things because he must know Mendy is coming into the club. You heard Lampard's comments in relation to bringing in a keeper before that. Um, but it's a poor goal. It's completely under him. It's, it's not. It looks like a banger because outside the area from toss up, but you know he has a long time to see it, and he, somehow he missed times his dive and it's gone over him. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. Sheffield United, you know, it took them a while to concede two Premier League goals in general last season. And they conceded, they were put to the sword yesterday, man. You know, Wolves got over the line and defeated them 2-0. Jimenez off the mark within the third minute. You know, Leeds look very, um, Wolves look very good in that game. And they're laughing, man. You know, their manager, Nuno, signed a new deal, well-deserved. So, yeah, they're building something as well. We've got to save the best till last, people. I know a lot of you are thinking, where's Spurs? Where's Spurs? Where's Spurs? You know, you know, people. Big up Everton. 1-0 victory over Spurs. Again, it's still long to go. But to see Spurs in what last time I checked, and it might change now, they were 17th. Hopefully, that's what it says in May, people. On a serious note, though, I mean, it's a long way to go for Everton. But they're a team I and a lot of you are looking at to say, they're always a team. They'll, they'll sign decent players and you're looking at, all right, cool. Are they going to do the Leicester thing now? Kind of try and disrupt the on what the Wolves are trying to do. Trying to disrupt the top six, you know. We, we always say that with Everton. And a lot of times their signings have flattered to deceive. Um, they've instantly upgraded in, 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 in their midfield and attacking options. You know, Hammers. I do think people are overdoing it with his performance. But he looked good. You know, he's getting on the ball. He was provoking attacking situations. Clearly, he's not fully fit yet. And when he is, he's going to be a serious player. The one that impressed me the most is Alan all over, tenacious, you know, a bit of Terrera, like, you know, Bulldog, getting everywhere, putting out fires, distributing it, engine, you know, really good, shrewd addition, he didn't even look fully match fit as well, he looked like he was blowing towards the end, so when he's fully fit, it could be calm, I think Decore put himself around as well, them three instantly boost any team, you know, and then when you've got players like Richarlison, who Richarlison should have had an assist, how he didn't get his head up and square that after that poor pass from Ben Davis for, for Calvert-Lewin, probably shows why he's with all due respect as much as I like him why he's not at the bosses and these things yet you know but like I was saying Everton got some good players you know you've got Andre Gomez in relation to the players I've already just said you've got Dijane um, who's statistically up there for most chances created for a defender you've got Richarlison Calvert-Lewin you know powerful header I like Calvert-Lewin you know he's really improved a lot and he is an Arsenal fan so it's lovely to see that um, they've got some quality players, man. You know, how Iwobi gets into this team, I don't know. But, you know, and when you've got a manager like Carlo Ancelotti, you know it's serious business. It's one thing to sign the players. It's another thing to have a manager to show the thing. 
But Everton, you know, Everton completely outdone Spurs. Spurs, you know, they didn't take advantage of the minimal shots they had. But, you know, in short, Spurs were just outrun, out-sprinted, out-shot, out-scored, out-muscled, just... There weren't really no determination. Like, you know, Kane Kane was feeding on scraps. Not that he had the best of games. You know, Kane did not have did not have his first touch in the opposition's penalty box until the seventy eighth minute of the match, people. You know, that tells you everything. You know, you're doing a good job if if, if there's twelve minutes or so from time and one of the leading strikers typically in the country is just touching the ball in your box. This tells you they were tactically outdone and Spurs already, it's sad to say, and it's the first game of the season, so you can't draw conclusions, but they look stale, they look lacking ideas, they look like it's, they're going through the motions, you know, I think Hoiberg's a decent player, but when you're playing Hoiberg and Winks, you know, there's not going to be an expansive play, when you're bringing on Sissoko, there might be energy, but there's not going to be an expansive play, there's a lot that needs to be done, man, Doherty looked a bit shaky as well, even though I think he'll come good, there's a lot to do, man, to be fair, you know, maybe the goal shouldn't have standed, I know Jose was quite critical on the free kick being taken um, further than it than it actually was it was conceded, but it is what it is, man. And you know, jo to be fair, I do think a lot of it is Jose. A lot of this was to be seen, and Arsenal fans who are asking for Jose need to think twice. But it's the players as well, man. Where's the hunger? Where's the desire? You know, is the is the manager able to get through to them? I don't know, but it is what it is, and that's why I support Jose's comments where he's kind of publicly bashing them, sort of thing. He said. The struggle started in the way we pressed, or I will say in the way we didn't press because our pressure up was very poor. I would say it was lazy pressure. And when you have lazy pressure, you don't press and you don't let opponents build from the back. And when they have players with incredible quality, which is not just Everton, it's almost everybody in the Premier League. When you let them play from the back, then they are comfortable with the ball. Lazy pressure, lazy pressure up front. That is what I'm saying. And that creates unbalanced situations for the rest of the team. And we know Son and and Loris have actually gone to blows over the pressing thing. So is he directly putting that as, at the strikers? Or is he saying the whole team? You know, the strikers set the tempo. Kane and Son and, you know, the front three, you lot press. The midfield, you support. Wingbacks, you support. Centre-halves, get up the high line and play a high line and kind of force Everton into their, into, their, into their own half and force them to make mistakes. I don't know. He said as well, I could also feel that some players are not fit. Matt Doherty was struggling to play the way he plays and the way you want him to play as an example, which I assume consistently getting forward, being more of a wingback than a fullback. He also said, we also had other players that were a little bit in trouble from a physical point of view. Two very strange pre-seasons for some and in other cases, not even a pre-season. But congratulations to my dear friend Carlo and the Everton boys. Um, he said, he went on to talk about tactics as well. He said, they were playing with one pivot. Allen was in that position. Gomez and Decore were push, were pressing high. There was a lot of space behind this pressure. There was a lot of space. There was loads of space to play in behind those areas, and I needed more in there, which was always which was also not able to get in the second half. In the second half, they scored the goal, which I think was a bit strange. It's not an excuse for the result. It's not an excuse for the defeat. It's not an excuse for not a good performance. But with many referees on the pitch and on the line. To take a free kick with a minimum of five meter distance, I find it incredible because before the goal, I was already saying it to the ref. Five meters on the crossing situation makes a huge difference in that position of our back line and in the direction of the cross. But I do not want to say too much on these things. Um, Jose also spoke about certain players. He didn't name and shame them. Not that there's anything to be shamed of. You know, he, he mentioned there was a couple of cases of Corona within that team. 
We did hear a Norwich player tested positive when they Spain um, Spurs and Norwich had a friendly a few months ago, so maybe a bit of it is that. He said, Harry Kane trained with us once. I'm not going by player by player for different reasons. Many of our players didn't have a proper pre-season. We had cases of positive COVID. We have the right not to say which players, but we had the players. We had other players in quarantine due to proximity with positive players. We had a player in quarantine because he was on holiday in the country, which the government quarantined. We had other national teams where many went to their team, so it was difficult for pre-season. We had the same thing, Jose. David Luiz trained for a day and put in a fantastic performance in the Community Shield. Gabriel's not played for five odd months or so and, or, or whatever and played well against Fulham. I guess the energy is different over our side in North London. Um, but on a serious note, it's understandable, man. Spurs do look sharp, didn't look sharp, looked lacking ideas and it looked like they're missing the intensity. It's been a weird pre-season for every manager, you know, and it's going to be a weird one, you know. We typically say it takes about 10 games to be fit. I don't know if that's going to be the case in this, in this Premier League season. But he also said, I couldn't expect them to be sharp, intense and agile, but I was expecting much more individually and collectively. It disappoints me. And that is where I have now to work. The players who didn't have a preseason, we don't have now the possibility to give them a preseason. But we have a lot of matches now to play consecutively, and we need to use these matches not just to win them and knock out ones are obviously decisive ones with everything decided in 120 or even penalties, and to try to use this to improve the form of the players because some of them were really in trouble, which is crazy. So that tells you everything. And Spurs is. You know, quickly on Ever in the Everton game, just to continuously go on this point of, you know, Spurs lacking intensity and whatnot. Um, in relation to percentages and of possession, you know, I think Everton had 49 to 51 with Spurs. Um, but the dual, the dual success rate, you know, from Spurs was at 37, um, which is poor. You know, Spurs won 38 of their duels. Everton won 63, which tells you everything. The last time this was that low... Um, was that low, um, you'd have for a home game, you'd have to go back to 2013. And you'd imagine Spurs in 2013 and when Poch was there as a dramatically better team, which was quite poor. Only two Spurs players won over half of their battles, so they won their duels. You know, when you start, whether you play Sunday League or real football, like these, like you're always told, win your first and second, win your personal battles, you know. Ben Davis, even though he did that mad pass, he's won his individual battles on paper with that right-hand flank. And Toby Alderweireld, he was out-jumped, I believe, by Cal um, Calvert-Lewin, you know. Pardon me. They both had 57.1%, I believe. Richarlison had 88% and Decore had 83% and were among the six Everton players to come out on top more often than not. Um, you know, the, the fixture list doesn't hasn't been kind to Spurs and it doesn't get any easier. And, you know, will Jose, considering the fitness levels, will he go out and on Thursday in their Europa League qualifier game thing? Will he play a strong team because it is knockout? Um, and give minutes to people or will he rotate considering they play midday on, on Saturday against Southampton, another team who lost um, um, and it's actually away. So there's a lot of travelling, you know, Spurs' potential fixture pileup is a bit sad because on, on, not that I care, Spurs, but on Thursday, you know, they play Locomotive Povid, I can't say their name, they play that um, at 5pm um, and then away from that, you know, on Thursday the 17th, they'll be playing in that. Then the 22nd, they're in the Cat Yarabel Cup. The 24th sees, you know, then play again in the Europa League qualifiers. Um, the September the 29th sees, you know, assuming they're still in the Cat Yarabel Cup, they will be playing that. They've got an away trip on October the 4th to Manchester United. Um, 
Oh, sorry, I've skipped ahead, people. Sorry. Um, I really did. I didn't mean to do that. So on the 17th, like I said, they're playing in the Europa League. They've got a cup game on the 22nd of September. Um, on the 20th of September, they've got Southampton, obviously. Um, on the 24th of September, there's Europa League, potentially. On the 26th, there's Newcastle at home. On the 29th, if they're still in the Carling Cup, there's that. Um, October the 1st sees them potentially again playing the Europa League. And October the 4th is an away trip to Manchester United. So it's not getting any easier for Jose Mourinho and his players. Quick note on Everton, because again, Everton are one of the teams you're looking at with the signings they've made from a neutral point of view. Uh, what are you going to do? Because for me, Everton need to have a season where they finish in the top six, top seven. You know, they do what Leicester done last year. They do what Wolves were doing to a degree. They need to, you know. They really need to. The fans are overdue. The club is overdue. And I believe they will with Carlo. It's only been one week played, so you can't draw too many conclusions. But, I mean, looking at it, you know, James Rodriguez on his debut, you know, he created five chances, which puts him first in the game. He made four interceptions. He had three attempts on goal. You know, they were tame efforts. You know, in the opposition's half, he had 33, 33 touches, which places him at third. Um, you know, 33 passes, sorry. In relation to touches, he was sixth with 74. You know, it was a good performance from him. You could see he's not fully, fully, fully match fit, but he does look like he could be a very good player for them. Time remains to be seen if they're going to, you know, be able to do serious things with him. So we'll have to see what happens. Away from that, though, people, and I guess it's just a case of speaking about transfer news, really and truly. Um, apparently, Liverpool will complete the signing of Brazilian goalkeeper Marcelo Peter Luga from Fluminense this week. He's 17 years of age, people. He's Brazilian. He's part of the Brazil under-17s that won the World Cup, um, you know. Um, and he'll be signed for around £2 million. He has a German passport, which probably makes this easier. And he'll initially link up with their academy side, you know. And it, you can imagine he will get to train with Alisson, which will be good for the young lad. So big up him. Aston Villa, who have apparently signed Imi Martinez from Arsenal for £20 million, which is awaiting confirmation at the time of making this um, podcast. Um, they're doing their thing, but they're not stopping. They want a former Chelsea player. You know, Bertrand Traore of Lyon, he has complained about not being able to play first in football and he wants more football. Apparently, Aston Villa are set to sign the forward for on a four-year deal after agreeing a £17 million fee plus £2 million potentially in add-ons. Apparently, Brentford will let Benarama, Benrama leave for £25 million and apparently Crystal Palace are interested in him and are holding talks. When you've got Zaha, Benrama... Eze, you know, there's some good options. I don't know if it's in, in in conjunction with Zaha potentially leaving the club, but who knows, people. Um, in Going back to Traore or Villa, you know, considering the Villa coach is, is John Terry and they played together at Chelsea, you know, there could be something there. Uh, apparently, Borussia Dortmund are, are increasingly confident of keeping England winner, winger Jadon Sanjo. As you don't know, it's, it's understood United have already met personal terms with the 20-year-old who actually scored yesterday, people. Him and Jude Bellingham. I think they're the both they're the first two English players to start a game and obviously score for Dortmund. There's been a bit of history because if you remember Yunus Musa, former Arsenal player, he actually started for Valencia in La Liga. And I believe he's the youngest Englishman to do that. And he's 17 years of age, which is a fantastic achievement for the young lad. Moving away from that though, people, and I think the Jaden Sanjo thing is gonna happen, but you know, it's just a case of both teams puffing out their chests and probably just how they want to structure payments. United have also been linked with Bale on loan should they fail to go for, for Sanjo. And 
You know, Bell looks comfortable. You know, I do think he'd go to United if the package was put, but would it be financially feasible for 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 United to go for Bell? Because if it was just on player ability, yeah, you sign Bell every day of the week. When you consider all the variables, you know, is there a case of United? I don't want to put wasting money and Bell in the same sentence, but potentially that. There's also apparently, um, if they want him permanently, they can sign him for 18.5 million. But again, you're going to have to take on his wages, considering the fact of he's 31. You're going to have to take on his wages. And there's also that injury record. They've also been linked with Douglas Costa. And they've also been linked with Spanish left-back Sergi Regulon, who apparently prefers a loan move to Seville because he wants to eventually try and make it at Madrid. Madrid want a buyback clause. United are apparently bulking at the 30 million euros asking price. And they probably won't be up for putting in a buyback clause. So that one's far from done. You know, just not just months after signing from Spurs, apparently 28-year-old Danish midfielder Christian Eriksen could be allowed to leave Inter Milan, which is crazy. Um, Arsenal, you know, I've previously spoken of Martinez people. Apparently, we're signing an Iceland goalkeeper, Ragnar Alex Renesson. He's 25. Apparently, it'll be a literally 1.5 million deal. And we're in talks over his, his a move for him with his club, Dijon. Apparently, Inaki Pena, an Arsenal coach, goalkeeping coach, um, knows him. So, he probably dropped his variables on him. Um, Spurs need a striker. And apparently, they're in talks with Transport, Trans, I can't say it. I can't say that name. Over a deal for Norway striker, Alexander Skolov. Um, on a, um, they're trying to sign him on loan, apparently. Um, which is crazy. Because he's currently on loan, on a two-year loan from Crystal Palace. And the Turkish club have an obligation to buy if he starts for half their games this season. So it could be a tricky operation. You know, they do need options. They've been linked with him. They've been linked with Dini. I'm not sure if these are inspired names Spurs fans want to hear. But they just need a body at the moment. So there's that. Apparently, they've entered the, ra the race to sign Albanian centre-back Meresh Kumbala. You know, the 20-year-old's been doing quite well, people, um, for, for, for Veronia over in Italy. Apparently, Newcastle have inquired about taking Roma and Turkey winger Senji's under on loan. Bournemouth have been told, sorry, Bournemouth have told Leicester they'll have to pay £50 million if they wish to sign Davy Brooks. It looked like Conor Gallagher was going to sign a new contract and go to Crystal Palace. Having signed Mitchie Batchway, it now looks like he will sign a new contract with Chelsea before joining West Bromwich Albion on loan, which is a good move for the 20-year-old. Um, finally as well Villa are doing quite a lot apparently where the Bremen have confirmed they have received an expression of interest from Aston Villa for their winger slash creative midfielder Milo Rosica so we'll see how that one there develops people um, I forgot to mention it but you know I'm sure you all saw Marseille defeating PSG 1-0 PSG lost their second league game of the season and it all flared up towards the end of the game you know um, there was five red. There was five red cards. There was hella yellows. There was just about anything. You know, it was a full scale brew in the last minute of stoppage time. You know, Kazawa was sent off. Leonardo Paredes was sent off. You know, um, Dario Benetto was sent off. Jordan Avari was sent off. Um, you know, Neymar and Alvedo Gonzalez. You know, have have previous. They have previous. Messi has previous. And the Spanish individual, the Spanish defender, is alleged to have racially abused Neymar. You can see the video saying Neymar saying racism. No. And I rate Neymar, you know, he stayed on his neck. He said, the only regret I have is not banging him in his face. You know, this guy's tried to come out and more or less give the tweets how I've got black friends and things and got his teammates around him. He's called him a coward and all these sort of things. Both sets of management, Tuchel and, um, and Viles Boas, it's a bit disgraceful because if I'm AVB, 
I'm backing my player, you know, and if I'm took who I want to back my player, they both said they ain't see it and whatnot, which is might be the smart thing to do. Video and TV people are saying they can see no cases of racism, not that I believe any of that. Um it's sad people, it's 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 sad. It really is it really is sad that there's this will you wait for in FIFA and all these people that say they take a hard line to racism and they kick out racism, really scrutinise the individual if he is guilty. You can bet your bottom dollar there's not going that's not going to happen, people. Um, big up Neymar as well, man. Big up Neymar, man. It's it's ridiculous. And like Neymar said in replying to Gonzalez's tweet, said, "You're not man enough to own up to your mistake. Losing is part of sport. Insulting and bringing racism into our lives isn't. I can't agree with that. I don't respect you. You have no character. Own up to what you say, my brother. Be a man, you racist. So it is what it is in that regards, people. It really is what it is in that regards. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. I forgot to mention it, but." It was a bit odd, but Arsenal physio Tim Parman apparently is leaving the club after two years and returning to his native Australia. This actually means that three physios brought to the club by former head of performance Darren Burgess in 2018 have now left, you know, which is crazy. You know, you've seen Alex Morgan leave um, at the end of the season and go back to Liverpool. You saw Paolo Barrera exit in May um, and he's now in sport in Lisbon. And Parman is now going back to um, going back to Australia. So it's crazy, people. We'll see. And you can imagine Arsenal are going to sign some players in that regard. So we'll have to see what happens. But it's been a lovely podcast. It's been lovely speaking to you guys, people. I'm just going to have to get out of here now. On that note, people, DG, I'm out. Make sure you check out my YouTube content too. God bless.